Last week we talked about hope being a highway, being a, a vehicle, a, a roadmap for us to where God wants us to be, and to others as well. Today, we're going to see the things that hope does. Hope is not a concept, it's active. It's, it is not a noun, but a verb. Um, wrapping up here to Christmas, and I remember my nine-year-old Christmas, um, the lead up to that, Christmas itself, it was a devastating Christmas because it's the Christmas I discovered Santa. Because <clears throat> I happened to wake up at the proper time and saw my dad wheeling a bicycle through the kitchen, to the living room. And <coughs> there's a backstory <coughs> to that. The backstory is this. I saw in a, in a magazine catalog a purple, huffy stingray. Now, if you lived through the 70s, as I did, lived through them well, the huffy stingray was the bike. Butterfly handlebars, you know, sissy bar up the back, slick, slick tire on the back so you could peel out. It was, it was the bike. Now, um, it was certainly beyond my budget and probably my dad's budget, but I began to lay a little groundwork for that leading up to Christmas. The man of Sa- wouldn't it be cool if Santa brought me a huffy, purple huffy stingray? Well, son, it's like this. I hope Santa will bring you a stingray, but how bad do you hope for it? What, Dad? Well, the more you hope for it, the more you do for it. Really? That's a fresh concept. So I began to, I, I cleaned out the, swept out the basement at our house, straightened it up as a, as a chore. My dad owned a grocery store at that time, went to the grocery store, dusted shelves, rotated stock, pulled out all the bruised and dented cans and bruised produce and helped at the store and, and tried to demonstrate my hope. Well, th- th- this picture is the fruition of my hope. What I, what I got for, uh, for Christmas that year was a purple huffy stingray, and it was quite the deal. I'm going to tell you, I was, I was big guy on the block after that bicycle, but there was some groundwork laid for, there, for that bike. I, I didn't just hope that Santa brought it. My dad ensured that hope, hope is active, son. If you want to hope for something, get after it. Let's show Santa that you really are hoping for that bike in the right way. And, and I did. I did, some, as I said, some chores for that. But it taught me, uh, <clears throat> taught me several things. It taught me what I thought was cruelty in my dad initially. <laughs> he was laying great, great groundwork for, for life for me to say, hope does something. It doesn't, it's, it's not blind. It doesn't just pray and, and just wait. Hope steps into opportunities. Hope looks for the doors that are open and steps through those open doors. Hope creates a path for others to see the very thing you're hoping for and dreaming for and longing for. And if that is intimacy with Jesus, as it should be for us, then hope is the vehicle for us to get there, as we looked at last week in this highway of hope. But hope does something. It's, 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 it's got to start the engine. It can't just stand in the middle of the highway hoping something happens. It sticks the key in the ignition and turns it and puts it in gear and starts to drive, starts to move. Turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to look this morning at, at what an active hope looks like. Uh, now, as you saw last week from Romans 5, and we'll be in Romans again next week, Romans is a book of great hope because 
The Roman church, as Paul had previously discovered, lacked it and was growing cynical and was growing uh, more jaded all the time. Their faith was becoming more boxed in and more, more, less like Jesus and more like, more like uh, themselves. And so he started to hold out hope to say, listen, hope's a vehicle and a path for you to get where God wants you to be. Now let's look at these verses in, in Romans chapter 8 together, verses 18 to 25. Read along with me. I consider that our present sufferings, sound familiar? Looked at suffering last week. Our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Four things I want us to glean from this passage and text today, and that's this. First of all, an active hope liberates. An active hope liberates. Look at verses 20 and 21 again with me. It says, <clears throat> For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope, watch, that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage. Things that are dying, things that are decaying, have an odor to them, don't they? We just passed on our way to church this morning a skunk. And even with windows rolled up, heading past a skunk on the, in, 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 on, on the yellow line, you're going to pick up that smell. Well, the windows go down. The sm- Things that are odoring and, de- and decaying have a smell. Uh, possum, dead possum in the middle of the road will do that. Dead raccoon, there's a dead, dead, dead raccoon down here on Lowe's Creek. They have an odor, a decay to those Things decay. Things that are living, though, and growing have a fragrance. So for you today, do you look more like an odor or a fragrance? Is your life decaying or is it alive and growing? Are you living and breathing and, and expanding and, and taking, taking in more of what God has for you day after day? Or are you on the, on the downside? Are you swinging on the down pendulum? And, and your best memories are behind you. Your best hope is behind you. If that's the case, we have usually more odor than fragrance. And things that are living have a, have a fragrance. People... People walk away from a conversation when, they're, when, they, when they walk away from a conversation with you. Are they exhausted or are they refreshed after having been with you? You ever wonder? You, you've been with those kind of folks, right? That a conversation with them, you just, <sighs> thanks. Hope that works out for you. I mean, you, you've been in those kind of situations where how quick can I get out of here? You're killing me. And you're, 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 if, if it was ever, ever Debbie Downer, you're Debbie Downer. But you've also been in conversations and, and spent time with folks that you leave them. That was that was good. I need to hang out with them more. And, and what kind of folks are you? When folks leave conversations and time spent in, in a dinner or an opportunity or some fellowship with you, do they leave refreshed or do they, or do they leave exhausted? Do they leave 
with a sense of fragrance or a sense of odor from us. I wonder. The difference between those two things is hope. When hope interjects itself into a despair situation, into a situation that would otherwise turn, turn negative, turn cynical, turn, when we interject hope in those conversations, they turn, they turn a corner. And we start to see possibility instead of despair. We start to see hope instead of loss, pain, other things. It's the key, he says here, that unlocks the chains that bind us. It liberates us, he says, from this bondage. So as we begin out of the shoot this morning, I want to ask you, what are you in bondage to? In bondage to fear? In bondage to cynicism? In bondage to work, something at work? In bondage to stuff? In bondage to more? What are you in bondage to? What I would share with you is hope is the key that unlocks the lock to getting out of that bondage, to say, there's hope for me. This doesn't have to rule me. It doesn't have to rule my thought life. It doesn't have to consume my world. I can have a choice to, to live and walk and see hope in the middle of despair, in the middle of hurt, in the middle of loss. This, this highway of hope that we looked at last week is the real road to freedom. It's the real road to laying bondage down and saying, no more, not today, not here, not in me. Hope, an active hope, liberates us. Second, <clears throat> an active hope, this is good news. An active hope saves. Look at the first part of verse 24 with me. For in this hope, we were saved. In this hope, we were saved. Salvation and the recognition of our need for it grows out of two things. <clears throat> One is the recognition of our lostness, recognition that, that we're a sinner and we need a savior, that we, <clears throat> that we are on our own path, destined for hell, destined for death, destined for loss. And the second thing it, it recognizes is that we need redeeming. We're lost and need a savior, and we need redeeming. That, our, that we, 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 we didn't choose to, we were born into sin. <clears throat> and as such, as being born into sin, we need a savior to redeem us from this life of sin that we were born into. And redemption here that doesn't just end in forgiveness. Notice he says here, he adopted us, verse 23. Not only did he save us, he, he grafted us in and adopted us into himself, into his family, to say, I'm going to save you, but your dirtiness and your odor needs to stay at a distance. He- heaven is your home, but that's all you get. It's not how he works. He says, I adopt you, and I welcome your odor. You remember several weeks ago we were talking about mercy, and I described God's mercy to you as as a sewer of human sewage that we stand our, find ourselves in neck deep. And he, he, with hope here, doesn't say, get out of that and I'll clean you up. Come out of that and I'll save you and clean you up. He, as we looked at that week, he, he comes down and takes our odor upon himself and pulls us out of the sewage and says, I redeem you out of this, willingly and knowingly, and I accept this stench on myself to forgive you of it. I want you to see how clean you can be after me, me absorbing what, what is wrong with you. That's, a, that's an incredible picture of salvation. If you can get that and grasp that in your mind and learn to live that and put that into practice, you'll start to see redemption in about every, around every corner. You'll start to hear hopelessness in conversations with other people saying, listen, God can redeem that. Yes, even that. You, you can't be saying, yes, God can redeem that. He can make something good of this crap, of this junk, of this stuff you've been carrying around and thinking that, man, it's, it's got me bogged down and weighed down in my life and in, in my relationships at work and everything. God can redeem that. And we, if we can hold out hope in those kind of conversations, we can start to see God do some things in our lives and in the lives of people around us. So he says this in Psalm 147 about this idea. He says, 
His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of a man. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Where is your hope? Is it in things you do? Is it in what you know? Is it, is, is it in the things you possess? Or is it in the one who provides unfailing love to us? Where is your hope? That, that kind of hope, that kind of active hope, is the hope that redeems us from the pit, redeems us from the sewer, grabs us, invests in us, and cleans us up. Not only saves us, but adopts us, brings us in as one of his own, one of the family. Uh, the Lambdens have, have been a, a good uh, example of this in bringing these two kids into their, into their home. Um, it's there, if you see some, some of their Facebook posts, it is hashtag Lambdens new normal. And so this new normal says, I not only w- w- want to help you two kids through life, I want to own your problem. I want to absorb your pain. I want to, I want to see you in a situation that is otherwise unredeemable and s- to keep you from becoming that, I want you to hear this. To keep you from becoming that, I want you to see this. I want you to understand him. And so that <clears throat> they've made this process of, of salvation and redeeming the unredeemable and, and bringing that into, turning this into adoption to say, uh, you know, I'm not, I, don't clean yourself up and I'll help you. I want to get in here and, and help your problem and, and absorb your dirt and absorb your pain and absorb your problem and your issues and, and all your drama that comes with all these issues to say, I want to be that for you. And that's, that's a great, we, we have in our midst a great picture of what that looks like. That's what salvation looks like. That's what real redemption and hope looks like with, with skin on. Thirdly, an act of hope not only liberates us and saves us. An act of hope believes. Look at the latter part of verse 24. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for it, what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Hope that is seen, he says here, is no hope at all. If we can see it, we don't have to believe it. John, John 20, 29 says, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So, is it true that seeing is believing or that not seeing is believing? He says, blessed are those who can't see it, who can't see the end of the game, who can't see the ultimate outcome, yet will walk with me through the storm, knowing that I've got design, I've got a plan, I've got purpose, I've got hope waiting on you at the other end of the storm. So let's take that question, that, that equation, and, and insert hope. And we can only not only believe what we see, but act on it as well if we walk in hope. Not only say there are possibilities to it, but... I believe in the possibilities enough to step into them, not just stand back and say, when that works out, I'll open the door. No, I believe that God is up to something. I'm going to invest my time, my talent, my treasure, my, my, my emotion, my will, my money. I'm going to invest in what I see him doing, what he's up to, and believe him for the outcome of it rather than most of us. And it's sad. We have to see the full picture before we move, don't we? We have to see this piece and this piece and this piece and this piece, and God connect all the dots to say, here's the path. Okay, here we go. When... Real hope says, I believe he's in it. And I can't even see the first piece. Not the first one. But I believe he's in this. If he's in this, I'm willing to move and walk with him. And, then, and, and I see that piece come into focus. Ah. And I'm, I'm continue walking. I see the next piece come into focus. Ah. And I, see, and I see, here's God, here's God, here's God. And he, he reinforces my active hope following him into what I can't yet see, the outcome of. And that's exactly what, he, what, what this belief system that he's talking about is, is like. Uh, <clears throat> Moving beyond what we can see. Back in uh, 
Some of you remember back in the cor old Cornerstone days, we had a softball team uh, that played out in the Gibbs League out there. Can't remember who we were playing, but it was the bottom of the seventh, and we were down a couple of runs. Had a, had a runner on second base, <clears throat> down a run, I think. Yeah. Had a runner on second base, bottom seventh, I think, maybe a couple of outs, I don't know. Paul Cochran was up to bat. And I can't remember who it was. Might have been Gene, might have been Jason. I can't remember who it was, but I was in the dugout. And somebody grabbed the bats and started putting the bats in the bat bag. I said, well, man, we put the bats up. This game's over with one swing. And their, their concept was, I believe Cochran's going to tank one. When he did one, it's going over the fence. These two runs are going to come in. We're going to win. You know what happened? Cochran tanked one. It went over the fence. Those two runs come in. We won. It was seeing beyond the present situation to say, this is going to happen. I've seen him hit enough to know this is what's going to happen. He's going to wait on a good pitch. We're going to win the game. And we did. It, that's, that's this idea of saying, I see it before it happens, and I step into it before I, anybody else says, this is, this is up. We are in our faith sometimes so inhibited to say, listen, I've seen God do it before. If he did it then and then and then, he'll do it again. And so let me step into what I've, not, what I, as I said, as of yet unseen and, and where I like belief and, and invest hope in the middle of that, a hope that says he can and he will. Now, this is not necessarily a right or wrong issue of, of a lack of our ability to do this. It's an immature versus mature issue. It's not that we're wrong if we stand back and wait. It's that we've not de developed enough maturity to see God ahead of us and, and, and surrounding us with himself and his will and his way and his spirit to say, here I am, walk with me, step into this with me, move with me before you can see the total outcome. It is, it is the more we do that, the more mature we develop at it, and the easier the second and third and fourth and fifth time become. The first time, though, it's really hard to invest in what we can't see, to step in the middle of the unknown, to say, I believe God's in this and I'm all in. Uh, regardless of the cost, I'm all in. I'm all invested. It's hard. And as I said, it's not necessarily a right or wrong issue. It's just a maturity issue. The more we grow, the more we've seen evidence of that, and God do it again and again and again, the easier it is to invest ourselves beyond what we can see, and certainly before the outcome is known. Uh, the mature walk in the belief of hope. It's just where they walk because they've seen God, God's hope come through over and over and over again. So act, an active hope believes that way beyond what they can see. Finally, an active hope not only liberates and saves and believes, and this is the hard part, an active hope waits. Waits? An active hope waits? Sure it does. Here's how. Look at verse 25 with me. He says, but in, if, if in hope, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Now, if you're like me, this isn't real easy. I don't, I don't wait well. I just don't. I don't wait on her to get ready to go somewhere well. I don't wait on, if, if we go to a restaurant somewhere and the wait's over 15 minutes, I'm ready to move down the, down the road someplace else. And, and they may have great food, and it has nothing to do with the service of the food. It's just that there's a lot of good restaurants in Knoxville. Why should I wait 15 minutes for this one when I can get in? And that's just right or wrong, and it's probably more wrong than right. I need to learn to wait. I, I'm not a good waiter. I don't wait well. I, I, I'm, I tend to get impatient sometimes about some things. I'm, I'm patient about other things. but it, it's And that's, I think, by human nature how, how many of us are. We live in a culture of... Live in a microwave culture of, of immediacy. I want this done, and I want it done yesterday. Why is it not done yesterday? What, what are we still waiting on? Come on, let's go. 
And that's the, that's the sense that we live at. And I fear, I fear that we miss the Lord sometimes because we're, we're expecting him to, to, to meet our timetable and to meet our criteria and to meet our demands and to, meet, to fit our box, basically. You know what he says to us? I don't fit your box. In fact, I don't even want your box. You keep your box. I'm over here. If you get out of that box, you can see me. If you stay in your, 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 your predictable, convenient, uh, amped up, timed, uh, uh, structured box, you'll never see my will in my way. It's hard to do that. But this verse tells us uh, that hope doesn't just wait. It waits patiently. It waits patiently on us. How do we do that? A hope that's strong, just to, to, to tie into these things we've already looked at, a hope that's strong enough to believe in the first place is strong enough to wait. A hope that sees beyond the norm, beyond what everybody else can see, is a hope that, is, that, that waits. Remember last week the benefits of suffering? That from suffering we develop perseverance. And from perseverance we build into character. And the character, when it has its result, results in hope. As we see that, that Romans 5 model unfolding again and again and again and again, it's far easier for perseverance to turn into patience. It's far easier for character to turn into waiting in hope that God is in this, that God is on this, that God is up to something in this. Sometimes waiting looks like perseverance. Sometimes it just looks like waiting. And we think, man, is this ever going to come about? God is, God is always up to something bigger than you. I think it's important for us to see that today to say, listen, in, in the me-centered world we live in, we think that God has no time for anybody but us sometimes. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a child comes into the world and feed me, change me, warm me up, make sure I'm happy. Me, 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 me. And we grow up that way into adulthood sometimes. Feed me, feed my needs, feed my desires, feed my loves, feed my wants. Thinking that God is, is just about us and he's not. God's about him and us, her and us, them and us, that and us. He's about a lot of things with us. And we can't see all the pieces of the puzzle together all at one time sometimes. God's got to work out something in them before he can show up in us. And work out something in that situation before he can show up in our situation. Why? Because there's not a readiness there. His timetable is always better than ours, yet he's up to something over here. This has got to be completed before we can step into that. And life is always bigger than us, and God's always just up to something broader than us. We need to learn to see that and realize that's the truth of life. Either way, it's never easy, and the mature get it, as I said. The mature understand that, that it's worth the wait, it's worth the patience every time. But regardless whether it's physical or emotional or financial or relational, Vocational. The, the, the key word here in this verse, though, is yet. Look at it again with me. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, what, why is it such a pivotal word? Yet says it's coming. It doesn't say might. Doesn't say. Doesn't say. You know. Let's flip a coin. Yet says it's coming. You don't have it yet. What, what we hope for is not here yet but it's coming. There's a promise tied in the word yet. And the promise says, I'm good for it. I'm good for it in you. I'm good for it around you. I'm good for it over you. you don't, you're not there yet, but it's coming. That's how we hope. We have to believe that yet is on the way. It may not be here yet. It may not be here tomorrow, but yet is on the way. That's how we walk in this idea of waiting on him. Now, question and observation, we're done. Does your hope look more like a noun or a verb? Does your hope say, well, I hope that happens. I hope that happens. I'll pray for it. Or does it look like a verb? Does it say, I hope that happens. 
and I'm in it. I'm moving toward it. In fact, I'm moving toward it with some level of risk that I may get out there and fall and be embarrassed. But I believe God's in it enough to where I'm willing to move. I'm willing to take the first step, the second, the third, to say, I think God's in that. And as such, I'm moving in that direction. My hope is active. Is it a noun or is it a verb? Are you in motion? Or is your life and your faith in a holding pattern? Waiting on another revelation, another, another sign from God. Are you still in a holding pattern? Waiting on the next sign, the next revelation? Or are, you in, are you still moving? Are you invested? Because if hope liberates and saves, it does that to reveal something. And it does. Hope liberates us, he says. It saves us. It does that to reveal something. What? Hope is a show-and-tell deal. It's a show-and-tell deal. Show me your hope and tell me your story. A world, your world tomorrow needs that. It needs you to show them your hope and tell them your story. It's a show-and-tell deal. That's why it's so powerful and why our world is clinging for it, longing for it, don't even know how to define it. They're looking for it in substances. They're looking for it in relationships. They're looking for it in all, every other way but this. And, and our, our story to them over and over and over again is, I serve a God of hope, and you can know him too. He's a God of hope. The greatest story of Christmas is hope has come. Hope's come, and it's in the manger, and it's longing to, to know us, to walk with us, to reveal God to us, and us find him in that way. Is your hope a noun or a verb? Is it active? Or is it waiting around for the next thing to happen before you move so you don't look too bad out there by yourself if you blow it? Let me tell you the truth. You can never blow it walking in hope. You can never blow it walking in hope. God will always, always come alongside you. Why? He said, that's who I am. I'm wrapped up in hope. That's exactly who I am. If you walk with me, you walk in hope. Hope of what? Hope of tomorrow. Hope of understanding. Hope of getting it. Hope of a solution. Hope of, of, of resolve. Hope of redemption. Hope of salvation. We walk in hope. But we can't do that and stay on autopilot. We can't do that and keep circling overhead, waiting on the next sign, the next revelation. Got to move. Got to step into what we already know to be true. Are you hope, hoping or are you moving? Let's pray.